and by his grace hear from him today. Got a couple of uh, announcements. The uh, first one, I do want to recognize Peter and Kathy Clark are uh, with us today, uh, our missionaries to Muslim refugees in uh, England. So let's give them a warm welcome. Thank you guys for being here. Actually, I don't see Kathy yet, but they were here earlier. And then a um, couple of announcements. Uh, exciting week this Wednesday night is the start of Awana, and that's our children's program for preschool on up through uh, age uh, 10. And uh, we invite you to bring your children and uh, help them get to know God's Word by spending the year, uh, school year, in invested in memorizing God's Word and learning what it means. And uh, you are welcome to come help with that ministry if you would like. Uh, you can see Travis and Liz Edwards, and uh, but you're also welcome to register. You can do all of that online on our Church Center app, so we invite you to take part in that. Uh, men's retreat next month, September 17th through 19th. Great retreat at uh, Camp Tejas in Giddings uh, alongside uh, Wynwood Presbyterian. We joined them a couple of years ago, you may remember, and uh, these guys, it's like their 23rd year, I think, of doing it. These guys do a really, really great uh, men's retreat. They know how to plan it. They know what to include and what not to include, and the messages are always powerful. So I would encourage you to sign up for that. Again, you can do that online. You can see that on our website or on the Church Center app. And then uh, next Sunday morning, we have a special guest with us during our first hour, 9.30 to 10.40 uh, hour. The, we're going to have an all ABF time with our students as well in the great room. And what we're going to have is a, a woman that uh, has been uh, used of the Lord to uh, pursue uh, cyber predators. And so she is going to give us insight in how to protect ourselves and our children or our grandchildren uh, from uh, predators on the internet. And so I highly encourage you to come. We're going to have breakfast tacos, uh, so you don't have to bring anything. Uh, just get here by 930 and uh, get some uh, very insightful and helpful information, uh, Lord willing. And then, as you're uh, familiar, uh, we have uh, Danielle and Lindsay, not yet, though, back home with us. And we're going to interview them in just a second to hear what God has done. But first, I want to I invite you to join me in prayer uh, for our persecuted brothers and sisters around the world. It is uh, much more apparent as we hear about what's going on in Afghanistan. Uh, but you know, over the years, we have prayed for brothers and sisters in Sudan and Vietnam and China. And it's very real. And so Certainly, Afghanistan is a very hot point uh, right now. So we want to pray for uh, God's protection, uh, for God to be glorified, for them to be protected, and for the gospel to be clear as uh, they serve in such uh, harrowing times. So would you pray as I pray out loud? Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this day, and we thank you, Lord, that we can turn to you in uh, good times and in bad. And we thank you, Father, for, as we often say and, and often acknowledge, the freedom to worship you here in this country. And we thank you for those who fought for it. We thank you for how you have orchestrated that over the years. And we recognize uh, today with very heavy hearts 
what's going on in Afghanistan. And we, we acknowledge that there are incredible opportunities there for the gospel to shine brightly. And we thank you for the brothers and sisters in Christ and the pastors especially who are seeking uh, to remain true and to remain clear and to remain loving uh, in the midst of uh, heavy persecution, even physical. <clears throat> and so, Lord, we ask for your protection. We ask that you would be glorified, that your name would be magnified above all else. And we pray for those that would persecute, that you would change their hearts and that they would come to Christ. We pray that you would protect um, our brothers and sisters from the evil one. And Lord, we uh, remember also those around the world uh, in, in other countries of heavy persecution. And we ask that they would experience your comfort. And we know, Lord, that uh, so often they pray for and the ability to continue to love uh, in the midst of uh, heavy persecution. And so we ask that they would experience the power of your presence, that they would know your peace and your joy, and that they would realize your comfort in this. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to invite uh, Danielle Vanderkay and Lindsay Young to come on up here. They, uh, we sent them off at the beginning of the summer to Spain, and uh, it wasn't exactly, even, even at the start, it wasn't exactly as planned because of COVID and all the changes, and could they go, couldn't they go, and all that, but the country opened up, and you guys got there, so I'm just going to kind of open it up with, uh, let us know, uh, tell us what God did in you and through you. As Lindsay uh, speaks, she's going to use the uh, some slides that are on the uh, going to be on the screen, and she'll describe a little bit of what's going on there. So, Lindsay or uh, Danielle, please uh, go ahead. Buenos dias, my church. Good morning. So, I wanted to begin by saying that God, what God has done through me in this Spain trip, is He's increased my trust in Him. It's a little cliche, but it's very, very true that God wants to increase his people's trust above all else. And what he did for me, and we were praying for this too, for my boldness, but he increased my trust through uh, many team building exercises, through the many travel complications that we had. Um, and I want to thank you all for your support and prayers. I want to say in Spanish, muchas gracias por tu generosidad y oraciones para mí and Lindsay. Muchas gracias. I will show y'all without further ado what we've been working on in Spain. I said Lindsay, I meant Danielle. <laughs> it's okay, they can be sisters. There we go. So this was our trip when we were in Madre. This is the people that we came originally to be with. We were there a couple weeks before um, doing other outreach things, but this was our main team we did our uh, our outreach with. They were an amazing team. God showed me a very unique unity. Y'all know that feeling when you're with God's people and you just get along. That's God's unity. He brings people's hearts together and this was our team for that. Ready for the next one? So this is something that God increased my boldness in. We did street evangelizing, and that was a little nerve-wracking because while I enjoy talking to people, just talking to people on the street about Jesus spontaneously is something that I need to grow in, and God grew me. And both Lindsay and I, we had a lot of fun doing street evangelizing. We had lots of conversations, and we had people trying to convert us. So believe me, it was, it was a very productive time. Ready for the next one? 
And something that I was super excited about, I got to decorate a baby's room in Spain. And so what happened is before we went to the outreach, we were in Casitas, Spain, and we were taking care of a fellow believer there. She was a new believer in having a baby, and she had never, she didn't have any connections with any Christians except for the director of the program that Lindsay and I were staying with. So what the director wanted to do was throw her baby shower to celebrate her baby and just let her know that she has Christian friends who are there to support her. So what we did is we threw her a baby shower, and she was so excited and like uh, just so grateful for it, and she loved everything about it that she decided to change the baby's room theme to make it butterflies like I had made for her baby shower. So praise God for that. And the last picture we have here is something we also did in Casitas before outreach officially. It was a bilingual ministry where we went and talked to people. So we brought them in, we got the people by saying, we speak English, you wanna come learn English, come talk to us. So then from there, they would come and learn their English with us and we would learn Spanish with them. And through that, I think we made some good friends and we got people coming back. So praise God for that. He did, he did a lot for us in Spain. Um, for me, I really felt like um, God showed me his faithfulness um, during my trip in Spain. Um, like Daniel was saying, we both learned to trust him more um, through all the details. Um, but he, I just saw him throughout the trip open a lot of doors for us, open doors for us to get there. Um, everything that we had been worried about, um, language barriers, um, the street evangelism, we were singing and dancing, dancing. and doing theater stunts and circus stunts in front of people. Yes and all things that were really outside of our comfort zone, but I really saw God gave like all of our team a boldness and a strength to go do that, and it really um, was a ministry to um, each other, and the churches that we worked with, and also um, the people that we were um, evangelizing to. Um, I saw... Um, uh, he worked, God worked through the young people in Spain a lot. He had kind of changed their heart. Um, I had the privilege of being able to go in 2015 and 2016, and the spiritual climate at the time that I had gone was very depressing. Um, people were very close off to God. Um, and I was so excited when we went this last time to see through our evangelism that younger people were a lot more open um, to God, um, which was not something I had seen before. Um, and like Danielle said, we had people coming up and having conversations with us um, about um, just apologetics and why do we believe what we believe. Um, and we had a lot of people um, coming to us, talking to us about Islam. Um, we had a lot of um, influence with that, and so we were um, just having several conversations with people about that, um, which was interesting. Um, and yeah, it was just um, a really neat trip to be able to um, go and spend time with so many different people of many different countries. We had people yeah. from South America, from Italy. Italy, yeah, and so many different languages. And the only thing that we had in common was God, and mm -hmm. our love of God brought us together and worked through five, six, seven different languages, and we were able to um, come together and um, minister um, about God, yeah. which I thought was really cool. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thanks for um, obeying Jesus this spring and summer and his calling on your hearts to go and uh, being so open to learn so much and then coming back and sharing with us and, and honoring Jesus in the process. Let me, uh, let me give a prayer of thanksgiving and um, would you guys join me in, in uh, giving thanks for what God has done. 
Dear Lord, thank you so much for Danielle and Lindsay. Uh, we thank you, Lord, that as uh, your children, as young women that are pursuing you, you called them to go to Spain. And we thank you, Lord, even how you brought together uh, this trip as they are in different uh, places of the country themselves in school. And we thank you for giving them a great unity and great joy in serving together. Thank you for so much answered prayer, for working out all the logistics and getting them there, especially in this season of COVID. Thank you for the ministry partners that you allow them to serve with, to learn under, to minister to, and to minister with. And we thank you, Lord, for the answered prayer of helping them with language barriers and for uh, giving them boldness in, in all these uh, street outreaches. We thank you, Lord, for the unity that all of us who are attached to Jesus are attached to one another through your spirit. And we thank you for making that uh, evident and clear to uh, Danielle and Lindsay. And thank you for giving us the opportunity to rejoice with them. And so we ask for all the seeds that were planted for those that came to Christ. We pray that you would continue to move in and among uh, the body over there to disciple uh, and to continue the conversations. And we pray that you would continue to lead uh, Lindsay and Danielle in, in their lives now as they follow you, that you would give them great clarity in where you want them and what you want them doing, even as they serve back at school this year. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, guys. Let's stand together. Above all kings. 
verses to you out of Romans chapter 8. It says, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with his son graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who then shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. i 
for the life that we have in you. And we ask that you would draw us near to you. We ask that you would draw us near to your truth. And Father, we pray this morning that you would change our hearts and our minds because of your spirit, because of the work of your spirit in our lives. Father, we love you. We thank you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can have a seat. If you are one of our kiddos, K through 5, you can be dismissed to Sunshine Kids Club. And if you're one of our guests, please feel free to go with your kids and get them checked in, and then you can come back and join us. nothing like a real-life situation to make God's Word come alive. We had only been in this building for one or two years uh, when I got a call uh, one morning uh, from a woman who said, um, my uh, husband is uh, in trouble, and if I bring him uh, to your church, would you tell him about Jesus? And I said, absolutely. Uh, I'll be happy to. And uh, she said, great. We'll be there in about 45 minutes. We're coming from Magnolia. So I prayed for their safety on the trip. They got here. We settled into an ABF room, and they began to tell me their story. She said, we actually watch uh, an inspirational, popular pastor on TV uh, every week, but um, we don't attend church, so we don't have anybody we can call pastor to come see you. So thanks for letting us come see you. And uh, we chose your church because you had Bible in the name of the, the church, and uh, we want truth from the Bible. And uh, she said, and we also liked the ad in the Yellow Pages. I don't know if y'all remember Yellow Pages, but... <laughs> Our tagline under our logo used to be this, real people with real problems who find real solutions in Jesus Christ. And she said, we got real problems. She said, my, my husband's been uh, sentenced to a term of about three years in prison, and uh, he has reached a point where he wants to, to know about Jesus, and I don't want to screw it up, so I brought him to you. So we looked at God's word and we talked a little bit and we and I presented just the simple gospel of grace and he received Jesus as his savior. He received the free gift of eternal life and his sins were forgiven and Jesus came to enter his life. We talked a little bit more 
I put them in touch with a Bible church in Magnolia, and I never heard from them again. That man had reached a place of brokenness. He had reached a real-life situation where God's Word came alive to him. I don't know how many times he had heard the gospel before, but it made sense this time. And he took it as his own and received Jesus Christ. And that's pretty exciting. Isn't that true for all of us? We get in a bind and we want Jesus. Uh, life collapses around us and, and uh, we want to know truth. Or our real life situation, our circumstances are just a little overwhelming or out of control. And all of a sudden the Bible comes alive. And we begin to remember things that we have studied or read or heard in the Bible. Well, that's what today's message is about as we turn to Ephesians 6. And we look at the sixth and final piece of the full armor of God. We've been in a series where we're looking at the armor of God. And this is the sixth piece of the armor. This is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And what we're going to see is that it is God's word and it's powerful because of that. We're going to see that it's both offensive and defensive as a weapon and that God's word gives us specific words for specific temptations. That's kind of the way it narrows down when Paul talks about the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The flip side is that not only do we have specific words to live by in spiritual warfare, but God's word gives us specific words to live by in all of life because God's word is about transformation. And, and as we cooperate with the Holy Spirit in obedience to God, as we respond to him in worship, and we get to know God through his word, and live in obedience, he begins to change us from the inside out and transform us on this lifelong faith journey of becoming more like Jesus Christ. So God's word is all about the transformation, about words to live by. Today, we're going to kind of narrow that into the topic of spiritual warfare. So I invite you to turn to Ephesians 6 with me. We'll be in verse 17. We see that God's word gives us specific words for spiritual warfare. As we look at God's word today, we're going to consider the origin, consider the offensive and defensive nature of it, and then how we can personally appropriate God's word, because it's through our experience with God's word that we draw on under the power and the guidance of the Holy Spirit when we are facing spiritual warfare and temptation. First thing I want you to think about is that the word of God is powerful because of its source. As followers of Jesus Christ, we are in continuous conflict. Okay, that's not anything we get to retire for or anything from or anything we get to suspend for a while. If we're going to follow Jesus Christ, we're going to be in spiritual warfare. Satan is going to wage war with us and his angelic beings are going to come after us. And let me, let me give you this bit of joy, that the more that you pursue Jesus Christ, the greater the conflict will come. We are in spiritual warfare. But we have a powerful weapon and this weapon is powerful because of the origin of this weapon. 
Paul says this in the second half of verse 17. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The believer's sword is the Word of God. He's very clear. Now, these little words, these two little words of God explain to us that God's word originates with God. He is the author of the word. And that has all kinds of implications. It speaks to the power of God's word, speaks to the truth of God's word, speaks to the clarity of God's word, speaks to the, the ability of God's word to come into us and change us. Significantly, this is the only piece of the armor which Paul felt the need to explain. And I think that's because of the importance of God's word. He elevates it. None of the other elements, the other pieces of the full armor of God, did he explain. And as you know, we've been all over scripture looking at different passages. But here he lets us know that this sword is the word of God. And it originates with God. So if we're going to be properly armed against Satan in spiritual warfare, we are going to lean on God's word. We're going to use God's word and we're going to appropriate God's word and live out of the power of it. I want to address the origin of God's word with two well-known passages that remind us how trustworthy and how authoritative God's word is, and also the power it has for life change. Just look at 2 Timothy 3.16 with me. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. That first phrase, all scripture is God-breathed. God breathed this word out. God's word is alive because he is breathing it out. It has the power of God behind it. This is not some fable. This is not some research document that early scholars wrote. This is not just the memories of the early apostles and disciples. This is God's word. And we're told at least four things that it does here. It teaches us about Jesus Christ so we can get to know him. It rebukes us when we are in sin and then it corrects us and it shows us the way out of that sin through forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And then it trains us in righteousness. It shows us how to follow Jesus Christ. God's word is powerful enough to do that. And again, that's a well-known passage that everybody knows, but it's one we got to appropriate and, and, and honestly take to heart that God's word is that powerful because it is breathed out. You might say, well, it's, it's written by man. So let's look at how the Holy Spirit brought us about in 2 Peter 1.21. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Verse 21 of, of chapter 1 in First Peter is the end of a little paragraph where Peter starts by saying, I am going to perpetuate God's word for you. I'm going to write it down. He's been telling people. He's been preaching sermons. We have those in Acts. We have letters, First and Second Peter. 
and he's letting everybody know about Jesus Christ, but he just says, hey, I'm going to perpetuate, I'm going to write it down for you so that you've got it. And by the way, in all this suffering and in this horrible world in which we're living, you know, the difficulty that we face day by day, we have something to look forward to, the power of Jesus Christ and his return for us. And I can tell you what that is like because I saw it. Remember that Peter was there with James and John when Jesus was transfigured on the mountain? He said, I've seen the glory. Then he goes on to say, then I'm going to give you something even more powerful than just my experience or what my ears and eyes have seen and heard. I'm going to give you God's word. And this is how it came about. Men moved by the Holy Spirit. That word moved by the Holy Spirit, we have no clue what that means, really. I mean, we look at it and it's obvious he didn't dictate it. When you read scripture, you get to see very unique personalities that God worked through as he had people write his word. It's a, it's a very interesting word picture that helps us at least get a little bit of a grasp. It's the word picture of the wind catching a sail and pushing it along. So the Holy Spirit moved into the hearts and minds of the people that he would have write scripture, and he guided them through their personalities. And that is how we have God's word. And we could do all kinds of textual criticism. We could do all kinds of scientific ways of looking at the data, and, and you'd be even more impressed with God's word and its verity, its truth, and its protection through the centuries. But the main thing we want to know in spiritual warfare is God's word's powerful. And the answer is yes. The answer is absolutely yes, because it originates with God himself. We can go into spiritual battle with great confidence because God's word originates with him. The sword of the spirit is the word of God. And God's word is powerful because he gave it to us. Second thing I want you to think about here is that the Word of God is a powerful weapon in battle. Now, up until now, all the different pieces of the armor have been defensive in nature so that we might stand firm. We get to the sword of the Spirit, and it is a weapon that is both defensive and offensive in nature. It is one in which we stand firm by parrying the attacks of Satan and his beings. It is one in which we go on the attack with God's word. And that gives us great confidence. We see the defensive nature of the sword of the spirit in the temptation of Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, where Satan came to Jesus and he tempted him in three different ways. Basically, he was trying to get him to disavow his sonship. John the Baptist had come out and declared that Jesus Christ was going to be a redeemer and king. He was going to redeem the world, and he was going to reign forever. And then the Father affirmed the Son at the baptism. And so we have all these statements made, and then the Holy Spirit takes Jesus out into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan to prove that morally... He is the one who can go to the cross as our redeemer because he will prove himself to be a sinless substitute 
and that makes him capable of being our sacrifice on the cross for sin. He goes to the wilderness and Satan tempts him three different ways. And each time Jesus parries the attacks with the word of God. Three times Satan attacks with temptation. Three times Jesus says it is written. You can see that in Matthew 4. And we're not going to look at the, the nature of the individual temptations. But what is important is that Jesus looked to the word. And he said that it is written. And I will lean on that. It's interesting to me that he chose to quote from the book of Deuteronomy. The book of Leviticus is a, a book that controlled the worship of the Israelites. But the book of Deuteronomy controlled the daily walk with God. How would they fear him? How would they love him? How would that show up in their lives? And so Jesus quotes each time from Deuteronomy in very practical ways because God's word is alive and he's in a real life situation where he's being tempted. He's facing Satan as a man, not as God the son. And so he has every resource that we do, God's word and the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what he does. He quotes scripture. Temptation one, Satan challenged Jesus to make his own bread to satisfy his hunger, get rid of any anxieties he may have about fasting. And instead, Jesus chose to use God's word. Satan did not debate. He moved on. And so the second tactic he used was he thought, okay, you're going to use God's word. I'll use God's word. So the second in temptation, he says, let's test God's promise. So he quotes a promise of God from Psalm 91 that his angels will watch over you. And so he challenges Jesus to test God, see if he will really come through, if those angels really will protect you. And Jesus said, it is written. And he quoted another part of Deuteronomy, because God's word is irrefutable. It is unalterable. It is unchangeable. And even if Satan wants to take it out of context, even if he wants us to cause us to doubt God's word and the power of it, we can cling to it because God is the source and he is the power. Third temptation. Satan didn't debate. He didn't beg. He didn't plead. He, he offered Jesus glory without the cross. He said, I'll give you all these nations if you'll just worship me. And, and Jesus said, no, we're supposed to just worship the Lord God and no one else. He quoted Deuteronomy again. It is written. Satan left and departed. See, Satan has no recourse when we use God's word. He has no armor to protect him from the power of God's word. And so when we come after him with God's word, we are resisting him and he flees. He has to run and hide. And that's just what he did with Jesus Christ. He couldn't plead. He couldn't beg. He couldn't debate and discuss God's word is true, and Satan fled from Jesus. He abandoned the attack and departed. God's word comes alive to us when we're confronted with real-life situations. And here's something for you and me to consider as we think about spiritual warfare and we think about God's word, and we have Bible in the name of our church, and we know God's word, and it's important to us, and all of us value it. And I'm very thankful for that. And I'm extremely thankful for the quality.
quality of, of teaching across the board in men's and women's Bible studies and in our ABFs. It's just incredible here. But what we've got to think about is that if Jesus Christ needed to appropriate and know God's word personally and use it against Satan, then we surely must as well. We've got to take it seriously. That's what we learned from Jesus. If he couldn't do that in his own strength, then neither can we. So when it comes to spiritual warfare, we want to be a people that take advantage, that we are able to stand firm in defense against the attacks of Satan. Well, not only is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, a defensive weapon, it's also an offensive weapon, offensive weapon. Consider the words of the writer of Hebrews. Again, another well-known passage. Hebrews 4, verse 12. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. God's word is like a, a laser beam. It's able to focus with white-hot intensity on our hearts and on our minds, and it challenges our attitudes, points out sin in our lives and blind spots. It cauterizes and heals the hurts of living in a fallen world. God's word transforms us and makes us more like Jesus. That's incredible. And that is beautiful to consider that God's word is our life. As Moses said in Deuteronomy 32. Unfortunately, God's people believe this and they don't believe it at the same time. We would write down a paragraph or a whole page of how important God's word is to us. And how, yes, it originates with God. But when it comes to our daily lives, our daily lives are, are, are typically much more filled with positive stories of scriptural morals or memes with positive sayings and things that have a biblical bent but don't really give us the power of God's word. We see that all over social media. We see it all over Hobby Lobby. Now, thankfully, Hobby Lobby does have God's word on different uh, hang wall hangings. So don't come after me. <laughs> but we want to be a people that are in God's word. We don't want to just be a people who have it out there and believe that it is good and right and we have lots of knowledge of it but no strategic action with it because it is the word of god that defeats satan at every turn it is the word of god that empowers us to stand firm and to stand firm in the strength of the lord not to have to fight satan in our own strength His strategy is to try and get us to write off the word of God, to say it's archaic, to say it's not relevant for today in, in this world, this ever-changing world, to say it's not understandable. He'll throw anything he can at us 
to get us to take our mind off of God's word, which ultimately draws us away from the source of our strength, from knowing Jesus Christ even better, from following him in greater ways. We want to be a people that don't fight battles in our own strength, but we use God's word both defensively to prevent the attacks of Satan and offensively to attack against the temptations that he gives us. The word of God, the next thing that we see is to be personally appropriated and experienced. We are at war and we are to keep our sword unsheathed, if you will, to take it out of the scabbard, not to leave it there. This is a razor sharp weapon, spiritually speaking. It is all edge, and we want to use it against Satan and his schemes, which are diabolic and wicked and evil. Again, John 10, 10, we remind you every week, his goal is to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus is here to bring life to the fullest, to bring life abundant that we might know it in him. And Satan will do whatever he can to cause a hiccup in our relationship with Jesus Christ so that we are not fully experiencing his grace. We want to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit through God's word. Be aware of the danger of spiritual warfare and the conflict that is real. The sword of the spirit is closely linked to the shield of faith. We looked at that recently. And we saw that the shield of faith often stops the attacks of Satan. There are times when the shield of faith may block it, the, the temptation of Satan, but then we need to counter with the truth of God's word. And so that's what the sword of the spirit is. That's the offensive nature of it, that we would counter Satan's temptations, that we would be willing to say it is written. That like Jesus Christ, instead of just listening to Satan and his temptations, that we would speak back to him. A.W. Tozer has a great little book, classic little book called I Talk Back to the Devil. It's not a, a book of arrogance and it's not a book of in his own strength. It's a book of using scripture to identify the temptation and then point out with God's power that he can defeat, that Satan is defeated and to defeat him again by saying it is written. Paul refers to the small sword here, the Machaira. This is not the big Thracian broad sword. It typically took two hands to hold. This is the little Machaira. It's a, it's a smaller sword, double-edged, stayed in the scabbard. It was attached to the belt of truth. And it was designed for close-up combat, hand-to-hand -hand combat. We've talked about how uh, how incredible the combat was there to be so close in those days and, and to battle in a field one-on-one. -on -one. And so you wanted your th sword thrust to be precise and to be accurate. You wanted to go right between the armor of the enemy to be able to give them a blow that might harm them, wound them, perhaps even kill them. You wanted precise and accurate sword thrust. We get that 
from the nature of the sword. We also get that from the nature of the Greek word that Paul uses here. Uh, among several words for God's word that are used in the New Testament and the Greek language, the, the primary one is the one we're f very familiar with, logos, and it typically means the entirety of God's word. It refers to content and message. And so typically when we speak about the word of God in its entirety, we speak about logos. But here, Paul uses the word rhema, and it's a word that's more specific. It has to do with just sayings, captures a phrase or a sentence or two. And so what he's doing is he's pointing our, our, our thinking along with a precise and accurate sword to a precise and accurate word as we fight off the attacks of Satan in the strength of the Lord. So we want to be precise and accurate, accurate in a way that defeats the enemy. You have God's word, which has been transferred to your mind and heart as you have appropriated it over your time with Jesus, your walk with Jesus on this earth. And the Holy Spirit brings it to mind that you might be able to defeat Satan with precise and accurate power through God's word. That the sword thrust that you make would be powerful. So even if Satan comes after you with doubt and discouragement, with sensual lust or material envy, whatever it is, your sword thrust can be powerful because you can respond with God's word. And so when you have that fear, you can reply with Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for the righteous right arm of God upholds you. Upholds me, Satan. When you're tempted to anger, be quick to listen, slow to speak. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. When you're in conflict, be tenderhearted, kind. Ephesians 5, 4 and Colossians 3, Ephesians 4, offer words of grace instead of words that tear down. That applies to virtually every conversation, right? That one, along with James 1, is, is now back on my desk because um, I blew it this week with, um, with the landscape guy next door at 7.30 in the morning. And uh, his gas blower was going and... and um, and so I went out there just to ask him to move to the other side of the house for a while, which I don't know why, but just because I'm arrogant that way. And, um, and then I saw him blowing everything from her yard onto my yard. And um, my attitude uh, just went south, you know? And, and I didn't yell and holler. I didn't use any obscenities, but I was just mean. And, um, and, uh, and I was just glad that he didn't ask what I did for a living. So... But that's where I'm at. So what do I do? Well, I go and, and, and now retroactively, I'm going back to James 1, anger. Ephesians 4, use words that build up. I could have brightened this guy's day instead of just confused him and torn him down. You know God's word. 
and you must use it specifically. I honestly believe that God wants us to use specific words of scripture to live by in spiritual warfare. And so the challenge for us is to know God's word, to understand God's word, to live God's word. And I don't want you to freak out because you're not a living concordance, because you haven't memorized God's word, because you haven't been to seminary or studied it all your life. Uh, at a meal this week, uh, I just asked the, the people around the table, can you think of a time in your life when you were tempted, doubt, discouragement, any kind of, any, any kind of temptation, and you used God's word to fight that, and everybody could. Now, not everybody could give the exact quotation, and not everybody could give the biblical address, and that's perfectly fine. Holy Spirit was able to bring God's word to mind. And that is what you attack Satan with as he attempts you. So how can we sharpen our specific application of God's word to our specific temptations? Let me offer uh, four ways with which you're very familiar, but you just need this challenge as I need this challenge every day. And so I'm going to say things that you've heard all your life, but perhaps the Holy Spirit will give you the grace for it to be fresh in your heart, in your mind. So the first thing I'm going to say is that you need to read or to hear God's word. You need to read and hear God's word. Now you hear that all the time, but I want to remind you that the opening statement was that in real life situation, God's word comes alive. So if you will go to God's word, believing that this is originating with God himself, that this is powerful, they can tell you the thoughts and intentions of your heart and that he knows your situation now, you will be amazed at how applicable God's word is to you. It may be as simple as showing you or revealing to you God's character. It may not speak directly to here's where you need to go for a loan today, but it may remind you of God's character and that you can trust him, that you can find him faithful, as Danielle and Lindsay said earlier today. Real life situation make God's word come alive. And that'll happen just by reading God's word, just developing a, a habit of that. And so you can do that. All kinds of phone apps out there with daily reading ways. If you want to just use your own uh, published Bible that you can hold in your hands, just take the number of, of pages in the Bible and divide it by 365 and read three or four pages a day so that you can understand God's word. Just get to know him. Just go to it as his love letter to you and, and see what he has for you within anticipation. Read God's word. Second, take up the sword by meditating on God's word. I like what the author Kent Hughes says about this. He says, this is the secret to, to uh, God's great warriors in the kingdom. The, the meditating on God's word. I like to do that. I've seen it as be the most positive force of change in my own life. I've also found it an easy way to meditate, to memorize scripture by just meditating on it for a long time. But when we meditate, we're just asking the Holy Spirit to, we're giving him time and space to explain God's word to us, to give us further insight as we go through a month or two or three months of looking at the same passage. Psalm 1 says we want to be people who delight in God's word day and night. That's meditation. 
and you can choose passages that affect your life situation. And if you're, if you're unfamiliar with where to start, man, I would be more than happy. Just shoot me an email. Everybody on staff would be more than happy. All of your ABF leaders, all the people in your community would be happy to send you passages unique to your situation so that you can just pick one or two out to meditate on. The third thing, the sword is grasped for effective battle by memorizing God's word. It was a psalmist who said, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. We treasure God's word. The Holy Spirit brings it to mind in temptation. I encourage you to memorize God's word. You could choose a, a, a verse a week, a verse a month. If you did a, a verse a month, you might have 12 verses in a year that you hadn't memorized before. That's pretty cool. Pretty incredible. Your children are going to be here all year long memorizing scripture through a wand, and that's a, a, a beautiful thing because they help them memorize it and get it into their hearts, but they also help it treasure it by understanding it and praying about it and helping them, the children, understand what God is doing. The fourth one is to become mighty with the sword by studying God's word. And again, many people wonder, where do I start? What do I do? How can I study if I don't, if I'm in the seminary? You can. There are all kinds of ways to study. And again, many of us would be glad to come alongside and sit down with you and help you with just basic plans. One simple thing is just to ask uh, if you're studying a passage of God's word, what does it say about God? What does it say about me? What does it say I need to do? Three simple questions, but you can study so much more. And there are great online commentaries if you want to go a little bit deeper into some of the passages and, and understand some of the cultural, historical, grammatical uh, backgrounds to it. We need to be a people that are challenged to be in God's word, hearing and reading, meditating, memorizing, and studying God's word. And we need to be people that are challenged to do that because Christianity, because following Jesus is not passive. You can drift into sin, but you cannot drift into righteousness. You and I have got to make plans. We've got to create good habits. We've got to be people of God's word. And I don't mean by just putting this on your dash or on your nightstand so that you can wave it at Satan. That doesn't scare him. But when you say it is written, when you use specific words of Scripture, Satan flees. And he is defeated because you've resisted him with the power of God's word, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you offer us the power of your word. We thank you that you are the word of God. And we thank you that you've given us the spirit to understand your word and to empower us to obey your word. And we ask for the grace, Lord, to take small steps this week in getting to know you through your word better and getting to know you and how you would have us follow you even this week. And we give you thanks with grateful hearts that you would go out of your way to give us your scriptures. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together.
shadows deepen We do But do you know that all the dark Won't stop the light from getting through We do Do you wish that you could see
that is plentiful when your streams of abundance flow blessed be your name blessed be your name when i'm found in the desert place though i walk through the wilderness blessed be your name
Thank you guys for being with us today. Have a great week. Go. Don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> yes. You can be seated, though. Um, hey, we're just going to call an audible here. If you need to, to uh, get out or, you know, uh, get to the restaurant or anything else, feel free to leave. But, uh, hey, just some exciting stuff of how God worked this summer. Um, I'm a, this is Jennifer Young. She's the mother of Lindsay Young, who went to Spain. And there's a, there, there are a lot of stories we couldn't tell you earlier. This one has to do with one of those stories on how they got home. And uh, it also applies to God giving us specific words uh, to deal with our own whatever we're going through, fear, temptation, doubt, and um, so, uh, and how his name is blessed no matter what's going on. So Jennifer, would you tell us a little bit, give us a little context here. Well, um, when they talked about uh, co uh, complications with travel, um, that's an understatement. And all Saturday was just thing after thing with them getting back. But um, then Sunday, they were on their way to the airport after finally getting everything cleared up. And we were at small group, and I get a text that, from Lindsay saying, we are in an Uber with a Muslim man who's trying to discuss with us Islam, and we are going in the wrong direction of the airport. We are in a parking lot out from the airport. I am scared. And so I see the text. She's texting Mike as well. And we stop and we pray with our small group. And we lifted them up. And, but as I was sitting there, something rose in me and I just was like, no, they're in real danger. They're in, they're in immediate danger. And Mike is off trying to, to get a hold of Lindsay. And she, we were able to track her. And then the tracking stopped. Our, our thing wouldn't track where they were. But you could tell that they had pulled away from the Madrid airport where they were supposed to be taking off. And um, he had pulled off and had taken them into a parking lot. Um, away from the airport, and it doesn't really make sense how an Uber driver wouldn't know how to get to the Madrid airport to me. Um, but I grabbed my sword of the spirit, um, and that's why I wanted to share this with you, um, because I didn't know where, where to pray or what to pray, and I was thinking maybe Psalm 91, but I opened up my Bible to Psalm 144, and it says, blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. And I said, well, that's a good start, Lord. <laughs> and I started praying this over uh, Lindsay and Danielle about his steadfast love and his fortress. He's our stronghold. He's our deliverer. He's our shield. And I'm praying over them. And then I get to stretch out, from, out your hand from on high. It rescue me and deliver me. And so I put their name at rescue Lindsay and Dan Danielle and deliver them from the many waters, from the hand of foreigners whose mouth speak lies and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. And I just kept praying his, his word and I just, I felt like God delivered them. And, and we, Mike is off trying to get a hold of, and, and he turned them back. And then Lindsay's telling us what's happened. Um, later on, and he turned back and took them to the airport. And you can't tell me that that wasn't God's word right then for battle 
for that specific instance. And I just wanted to encourage you with that. Thank you very much. Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Have a great week.